Our leader will now share for 20 to 25 minutes describing what it was like, what happened, and what it is like now. Our leader for tonight is Sean. My name is Sean. I'm a happy compulsive eater and a sugar addict. Hi, Sean. Hi, Sean. <laughs> so I, I, uh, I failed to say that this is also my first time at this meeting. <laughs> Though not my first time in this room. I, uh, I had a, a colleague who used to work here. So I, I came here for a youth event um, many years ago. So it's, so it's familiar territory. And then it's also great to be in San Francisco. Um, you know, I lived here very briefly, and it was right as the time I was getting into program. And so my first meetings were here in the city. So it's, it's nice to be back. Um, so, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about uh, what it was like before the program, and I'll talk to you about what happened when I uh, got into program and what it's like now. I'll just say briefly, just to qualify, that... Um, you know, I reached my top weight in program. I've been in program for about uh, nine years now and, uh, and reached top weight about four years ago. Excuse me, three years ago. And that was when I got abstinent for th this time. I've been through two major relapses in my time. So I'll talk a little bit about that. But okay, so that was top weight. That was over 300 pounds. I, I, I stopped weighing myself at 300. I, I just, I, I, I felt like it was endless and I wasn't, I didn't have hope that it was going to turn around, so I just I let the scale go. Um, and I thank you, God, I got abstinent three years ago and have been maintaining 115 pound plus weight release, you know, <coughs> over 115 pounds for um, for about two years. Um, and it's a total miracle. I mean, it's just a total miracle. My relapse was the most painful thing I've ever experienced. I mean. It literally was hell. You know, sometimes people ask, you know, do you believe in evil or, you know, Satan? And I got to say that my addict, which still is with me, uh, and I also experience periods of depression. And so I'm dual diagnosed, right? I have mental, I have bipolar disorder and also overeating. And those two function in a cycle or they did function in a cycle, right? Where I would overeat, mostly sugar. And then my energy would like spike, and m many of you may know this and have felt this. And then it would, then I would, would crash, right? And then that crash um, would be some serious uh, self-judgment and uh, serious self-judgment. You know, I, I mean, just hated myself, right? And and I had thoughts of um, self-harm, and so that's part of my story. That's part of my disease. Um, and thank God, I've been I've been free of those. Um, those uh, um, thoughts for uh, months now, and that's a that's a that's another gift. So okay, so way back when the first moment that I remember eating in isolation, I was a kid. I was living in Delaware, and I wanted some apple juice, and so I went to the closet and grabbed what I thought was a gallon of apple juice, looked like apple juice, and popped open the bottle and took a swig and it turned out it was apple cider vinegar <laughs> and that was just oh so so painful but anyway it was me sneaking food and I have continued to sneak I continue to sneak food for many years um, let's see fast forward the first uh, overeating I can remember I was in grade school I had moved from Calif uh, from Delaware to California and so I felt like this awkward redheaded maybe overweight oh yeah uh, here's some pictures 
Uh, I don't know that I have one with my top weight, but you can definitely see that uh, there's a few where I'm close to it. So I'll pass these around. I also have a whole set of uh, flyers for upcoming events, some of which there are duplicates up here. So I'll pass these around. You can write it down or take a picture or whatever. And then if you want a duplicate, they're right up here. Thanks. Okay, so in California, awkward as heck. And uh, I remember coming home. We, we did Weight Watchers, me and my family, numerous times. And, you know, we lost a little weight and gained some weight and went out of the program, came back. And it, it wasn't very successful. But uh, so we never really had sweet snacks around, but they did keep sugar around. And so I got very creative with the ingredients I had. And I had whole batches of this and, and, and glasses of that. It was... Um, you know, it was it was a binge for sure. Um, and so, you know, ever since I can remember, I had a sense that I was overweight. Looking at these pictures, I was overweight, but not as much as I felt like I was, right? And that's part of my disease, and that's part of the disease that continues today, even at goal weight, is I judge people's bodies, including my own. And it hurts. It, all, it hurts me, right? I have um, self-judgment. But it also hurts my relationships with other people because uh, I, I have a judging mind. And there's, in one sense, I, I, I'm powerless over that judgment, right? That's part of my disease. I, I, I can't take that away. My higher power can, and, and it's def, definitely lessened over the years. But, um, but it's still there. And so I, I work with that, um, especially judging my own body. You know? And even at goal weight, I, I still don't like some of the ways that I look. Okay, so there were these cycles, the, the, the binge depression cycles. Um, so fast forward to my brief stint living in San Francisco. I was in love with a woman who had loved me for a while, but then had moved on. And I was still clinging to this woman. I also have a tendency to cling to relationships like I clinged to sugary foods and so um, as I noticed pain and sadness and then anger which is a, a, a very scary emotion to me that I'm working with to be able to feel and use health in a healthy way I noticed myself go straight for the kitchen and so it was finally that I hit bottom in my uh, addiction to this woman, and I moved out of the of the com communal communal uh, the commune that we were staying in commune com com communal uh, community. Um, and on my way home, back to my mom's home, back in the Far East Bay, I stopped by the supermarket. It was the Safeway at College and Ashby in Berkeley. Some of you may know it. And I was in the car, drove into the parking lot, and I had this moment of grace. I said, you know, I could stop and I could pray and ask my higher power for help to uh, release me from my desire for this binge food. And I thought for a moment, and opened the car door, walked into the grocery store and bought my two pints of this and came back to the car and started driving home. 
as I'm eating and driving, which is one of the dangerous um, aspects of my addiction, I said, this is a problem that I knew my relationship with higher power was important. I, I was blessed with a, 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 a healthy beginning of relationship with higher power through my youth group. Um, and so I, I knew that, that was a problem, and I said, this, this has got to stop. So that next day, I went to my home meeting in Pleasant Hill. There's a 10 a.m. Sunday meeting. Uh, no, Saturday, excuse me. A great meeting. And um, so I got into program. Okay. So in program, I was in regular OA, lost all my weight very quickly, kept losing weight, uh, I w- and I was clinging to my program like it was the food. I was going to be the best OA you ever met, and I was going to show everybody how to do it and how to do it right. So I was losing weight, losing weight, losing weight, finally hit the goal weight, talked to my sponsor. My sponsor, also a century um, uh, in recovery, a century man in recovery, had not lost all his weight. So he didn't really know how to do the maintenance thing. So we're both like, we add in some more nuts, and maybe that'll help. And, uh, And so I kept losing weight. And I was getting off on being skinny, right? Like I say, I was full of pride until I could start to see my ribs as I had lost weight. And that was where the narcissism came in handy because it was like that is not attractive to my eyes, to my mind, again, which is skewed. But I said, this is a problem. Maybe a month or two later, uh, my bipolar disorder was in full swing. I was in mania uh, um, just spinning out between a whole bunch of different ideas and, and, and uh, influences and projects. And I spun myself right into the hospital and uh, was 5150 and uh, spent about a month in the hospital and then 14 months in a rehabilitation center to recover from that panic attack, which we think now was partly caused by my undernourishment, right? That my brain wasn't getting enough food for me to think and live in a healthy way. Okay, so in the hospital, in rehabilitation center was my first relapse. And uh, I won't, I won't uh, go too many details into the relapse, but just to say again, it was the most painful thing I'd gone through and lasted for weeks or months. Um, and uh, in my relapse, I was binging every day. And uh, once I got out of the rehabilitation center and had some of my own money, I, I was spending five to fifty dollars a day on fast food and sugar items, and um, so a lot of people ask me, "Well, how did you get abstinent?" And uh, I don't have a magic bullet, you all. I, I, I don't. What I do have is a lot of different tools that I've used over the years that somehow, some way, came together for me to get abstinent. Okay, one of those uh, one of those ways was uh, three program calls a day. My first sponsor insisted uh, that I make those calls. And so it was just an expectation from the start. It's a practice that I have maintained pretty much when, whenever I was actively in recovery, I was making program calls. And I've, I've got my number down on the, on the sheet. Literally, I, I make two program connections a day. And sometimes I'm calling like 10 or 15 people to try and get somebody on the line. So please write down my number. Please give me a call. I, like I say, sometimes I need calls in order to hit my goal. 
Okay, I was journaling pretty regularly. My first sponsor, I would journal for, for a while. We would call in the morning. I would report the journaling back to him. In the current program in, I'm in, which is called How OA, which is a sort of a subgroup in Overeaters Anonymous umbrella. I'll talk a little bit about that. That was one of the keys that got me abstinent. Um, uh, we have an expectation that you make program calls every day. And so ha- having that community surrounding me with an intention to make program calls helps. Right, People answer the phone a little bit more. And what I found is that the more I was willing to make those calls, the more relationships I was building, people were more likely to answer the phone when I called and call back, call me when they were in trouble. Right, So it's a, it's a muscle that needs exercising. It doesn't come naturally for many of us. They, some people call it the 10,000-pound phone, especially the moment before you're trying to make that, uh, that you're thinking about taking that bite. My key that I always pitch for is I make calls every day. And there was a point at which I was making all my calls in an hour in the afternoon, just cramming them all in because it was going to be efficient and I was going to get on to the next thing. (laughs) It was not working, you all, right? I was feeling great during the morning. I had all sorts of big intentions about not overeating, would get to the afternoon, make my program calls, night would come, and there was the overeating. Where were all my great intentions, right? So what I am, have learned to do is spread out the program calls. I would even schedule program calls in the evening. So I had somebody I knew I was going to talk to at 7 p.m. or whatever, and that was a point of check-in. Maybe it would help me not make that call. Sometimes yes, sometimes no. Okay. What else? I changed uh, programs a couple times. I was in Food Addicts in Recovery Anonymous, which is a pretty austere program. Works for some people. I was in it, abstinent for four months. Worked like a charm. I, I binged again and couldn't get it back. So then I found How OA. And uh, I'll just say a little bit about how. We have a structured food plan, uh, and some of you may be familiar with Gray Sheet or FA. Our food plan is similar. We have some more allowances for some fat servings and some simple carbohydrates. We weigh and measure our food, no flour, no sugar. The other thing I like about how is we have a structured way of working the steps. Uh, you have 30 questions, first 30 days. You journal every day. In the morning, you call your sponsor. We talk to our sponsors for 15 minutes every day. And, um, and we talk about our food plan. We say, here's the food I am going to eat today. Here's what I ate yesterday on track. Here's my reading. And then if there's extra time, you talk about your life. And I have a sponsor who continually, after two years, takes my calls. I'm done with the steps in my food program. Uh, but we still talk. We talk about life, right? Similar to the program call where I can talk to the friends in my program about anything. I talk to them about car repairs, my relationship with my sister, my dating life, my, uh, you know, whatever is going to help me, whatever might get me dysregulated during the day, I can talk about that in my sponsor call. And I can talk about that in my program calls. What else? Okay, what, what it's like now. I mean, being at goal weight is a total miracle. Um, I'll say some of my favorite parts. Uh, I love playing Ultimate Frisbee. Um, I don't know if you all know Ultimate Frisbee at all. It's not Frisbee golf. Ultimate is sort of a combination (laughs) between football and soccer with a Frisbee. And the strange thing has been, as I have started playing at my goal weight, I can run faster. 
And I can keep up with some of these people that I couldn't keep up with before, right? My mind still thought I was fat. And so I would play this sport in a way that assumed that I was fat, that I couldn't keep up with these people, and that I would be winded at the end, so I had to pace myself and not run as hard. It turns out I was not tired at the end of my games. And I had to psychologically tell myself, Sean, run faster, run more, your body can handle it, and your body can do it. And so it's, 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 it's made clear to me that this is not just a physical recovery that we are shooting for. As you all know, there are mental and spiritual aspects to this recovery. I'm starting to date. Uh, you know, uh, there's, there's some wisdom in the rooms that talk about not dating until uh, at least a year in program. Some people say at least a year after you get to your goal weight. And so again, it's been a, a, a shift to start to see myself as attractive. You know, when I was a kid, I was uh, reconciled to being fat. I didn't think, I, didn't, I had no hope. I, 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 I couldn't conceive of myself without being overweight, literally. And so that's the miracle of this program is, what do they say? Uh, focus on the weight, lose the program. Focus on the program, lose the weight. And so for me, you know, vanity was part of what got me into the program. But the spiritual piece, the mental piece, has been what's kept me here. We've still got a few minutes. I, I wonder if we might practice a, 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 an 11-step meditation that I like to do. Um, and I got to say, of all the tools, meditation is one of my favorites. And um, so let's give it a go. Um, we've got a few minutes. So just um, take a moment and, and uh, feel yourself in your chair. And uh, you might feel your feet on the floor, your sit bones in the seat. Whatever you're feeling right now, and just let it be as it is. You don't need to change it. Just notice it. And in this meditation, the intention is to cultivate a posture, a relationship, an intention to connect with your higher power. And the intention goes something like this. God, higher power, however you phrase that, higher power, I consent to your presence and action in my life. I consent to your presence and action in my life. And so with that intention, you might notice how your posture feels. Sometimes it's most helpful to have your back upright but relaxed. I'll sometimes open my hands. I'll bring my shoulders back and open up my chest. Whatever I can do to kind of open up physically to this higher power's presence in my life, in my body, in my mind. And one of the tools to use in this meditation is to 
Imagine a word, a word that can just be a reminder of that intention, that intention to consent to higher power's presence and action in your life. So one word I used for a while was care, based on the third step. Made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God. The word I've been using most recently is just yes. <laughs> just saying yes to higher power. So whatever word feels interesting, effective, just choose that word for now. And when you notice your mind drift, that's a moment of mindfulness. When, when you notice your mind drifting, you're being mindful. And so it's not a time to criticize yourself. It's a time to recognize the mind. Mention the word that you've chosen. And then watch what happens. You don't need to change your mind. You don't need to stop your mind from thinking. Our minds think. That's what they're built for. What we're doing is we're bringing a simple awareness to what the mind is doing. And oftentimes, that can be noticing a physical sensation in your body. Sometimes the breath. So in the next couple minutes, just be open, be aware, and allow your higher power to help you feel life right here, right now. And again, just notice the mind. And if you find yourself caught up in the list, the worry, 
just drop that word in and feel its effect. Now, having whatever experience you had, see if you can just let it go. Whatever happened, happened, and it's fine. If your eyes are closed, you might open them and just let your eyes softly scan. You might take a look at the, the people around you and who you're here with. And I'll look forward to hearing your experience.